All right, all right. A bit of shushar, please. A bit of shushar. I hereby call this meeting to order. It is with a heavy heart that I mention our financial situation as of May the 30th. The uh, current shortfall stands at $7,486.35. Having said that, are there any suggestions? Why don't we raise the price of beer? Another episode of Movie for Two. I'm the somewhat hungover 50% of this podcast, Tim Collins, and with me is the much better 50%, Danny Lee. Welcome. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. Uh, so, do you know why I went with that little clip as the intro they're, for this spe- specific episode? They're raising the price of beer. I know. So, there is actually a tax yeah. coming in. So, we're recording this uh, Sunday night, the 2nd of Feb, and there is a tax increase being placed on beer. Despicable. How in Australia. Dare they? It's horrific. Yeah, it's just not cricket. I mean, this is why I'm hungover. I, I capitalised <laughs> upon the current prices and that, that's totally fine. <laughs> so we we hadn't done an Aussie movie until this point and we hadn't done a sports movie either. So here we are with Cracker Jack. Um, I just want to sort of rattle through all of the points that we've got to, to begin with and then we'll get through all of our segments from there. So Cracker Jack was released in Australia on the 7th of November 2002. This is a movie about a struggling inner city bowls club fighting for its survival amid the backdrop of a possible takeover. Jack, who's played by Mick Malloy, is simply a member of the club in order to use the car park, but then becomes involved in the fight by playing a tournament for the club's survival. It stars Mick Malloy, obviously, Bill Hunter, John Clark, Samuel Johnson and Judith Lucy, among others. This movie was directed by Paul Maloney, a prominent director of series in Australian TV. Mm. Uh, it had a budget of $3.5 million and made 8.6. So in comparison to some of the other movies, it's very small scale. <laughs> but I think they filmed it in a, a week, a month or something really small too. Yeah, so yeah. Th- this isn't Hollywood, no, and so we're not pretending it is. Fine. It has an IMDb score of 6.8 out of 10, which is very good. And before we get into sort of all of our segments, is there a zoomed out sort of big picture perspective that that you have on this movie? Yeah, I think that this movie is one of those Aussie battler stories that's really easy for an overseas audience to understand. Because like it's quite similar to The Castle and with that, you know, the big developer comes in and tries to sort of screw over the little guy. But this feels like it's a more American take in a lot of ways, probably because it's a sports-themed movie. Yeah, totally. So I I thought that the the way that you almost have that sort of tournament sort of element to this, it feels like a sort of an American sports movie. It's like they've got to win their way to salvation sort of thing. Yeah, Yeah. so it's a much easier movie to kind of plonk anywhere in the world and they would get it, which really surprises me that it wasn't at all successful overseas. It didn't get shown in cinemas anywhere. It was on a few, few like film festivals or something and that was about it because it's really relatable, like more so than The Castle because The Castle humour is really like everyone quotes you know, the thing about Bonnie Doon and the son of Coco, which isn't funny to anyone outside this country, I don't think. But these jokes are really easy to get. Yeah, so I think that this is maybe an underrated contender for the funniest ever Australian movie. So it's not as iconic as The Castle, but I think on the laughs per minute scale, it's right there next to Mm. it. I think why this movie stands out is because it's a comedy that doesn't lean on any stereotyping whatsoever, which is 
sort of where a lot of Aussie comedies sort of frustratingly get into. So when I was doing the prep for this episode, I was reading actually a, a relatively uh, recent piece in The Guardian about this movie. And the piece was kind of like a retrospective look at this, basically watching the movie again, basically 15 like 15 years later, sorry. Yeah. Did um, they do many of those movies? That's a really good idea to go back and look at a lot of them actually. Yeah. So it, it compared Cracker Jack against examples like The Wog Boy and Fat Pizza to, to demonstrate really well that how this movie distinguishes itself. So, you know, I remember watching those movies when they came out and they, you know, you thought they were funny at the time and then now you you just cringe at the yeah. thought of them. You know, even the castle as you mentioned before actually has a few moments of stereotyping. Mm. Crackerjack doesn't do any of that and the movie's so much better for it. Like it's close to 20 years old, but I honestly don't feel like it's aged a day. No. Yeah, you know, when I was Melbourne do- traffic has not changed at all. <laughs> yeah. So, when I was doing some research for it, like I found that that the reception to this movie was a little bit mixed at the times. Like quite a few reviews actually said that they didn't think it had enough humorous moments. And I was like, what? Like yeah. we just watched it again and like laughed nonstop right yeah. the way through. But I think that's why this movie is different. And I was sort of doing a little bit more research as well around what else had come out in the comedy sort of sphere around that time. And this was made in 2002, as I stated before. And I came across stuff like Ali G, National Lampoons, Austin Powers, Mr. Deeds, The Hot Chick, Jackass. Like the early 2000s were all about like outrageous humour. Yes. This is so subtle and understated and modest. And so I think in a way that this was totally out of sync almost with everything else that was around it. And so almost didn't feel like it was part of that same comedy universe. But now, 20 years on pretty much, this feels like it's held up so much more. And a lot of other those titles that I've just mentioned before haven't. No, because this movie uses comedy to sort of gloss over the really lighthearted, sweet what could probably come into being quite cheesy moments. And yes. then they use a nice little bit of comedy to just kind of go, oh, this is lighthearted and it's fun. So obviously our podcast is called Movie for Two. What about this movie makes it a movie for two in your eyes? Sports movies are made to be watched with other people. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like if you were to watch uh, a sporting event on TV and there's no one in the grandstand. It's just sad. Yeah. It looks really sad. Like no one's going to cheer as loudly if they're by themselves as if they're with other people. So it's the same thing in here. Like this movie is actually really, really sweet and it's about community and that there's power in numbers and we definitely all need to believe in that right now. So it's a really positive thing to be watching. We certainly do. And uh, so like in a world where money is basically king, this group of people stay true to what they believe in, like hold up their integrity despite the possible consequences. So who's not going to barrack for these guys? Totally. I, I think it's a movie for two and it gets back a little bit to what I was just saying before, but not only is it something that you want to watch with someone else, it's something that you can watch with literally anyone. And I say that because of the absence of the stereotyping, it means that this movie is not its not offensive or awkward or uncomfortable for literally anyone that you want to watch this with. This is, it's its totally charming. Yeah. It's, it's just a bag of chuckles, this whole thing. It's just, <laughs> it, it's so great. But because there's no attempts at making humour around things like race or gender or, or, or sexuality, it makes it so timeless. Yeah. And therefore it's not offensive. It's not uncomfortable to watch with anyone. Anyone's going to sit down and watch this and just have a chuckle at a really charming film. Because it's intergenerational as well. You could sit down with your parents and not feel awkward or you could sit down with your young kids and they kind of get some of the humour too. There's not too much swearing in it, I think. <laughs> there's, there's a few bits mainly from Judith Lucy, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute. 
which brings us nicely to our first segment, which is perfection imperfection. Obviously, we start with perfection, things that we pick out from the movie that for one reason or another we think are absolutely perfect. Do you want to start? Yeah, I'm happy to start. Go. I think that the whole plot to this movie, as predictable as it is, obviously, is just perfect. Yeah. Because there are so many things that could have gone wrong with it. Like the jokes, as you said, could have been really based around stereotypes. They could have been really crass or just like, toilet humour or something really silly or jokes that no one really got. Um, the older people aren't stereotyped at all and the writers don't try and be like too different and go, you know what, wouldn't it be great if we made sure that they lost at the end just to surprise everyone? Like they could have done that and it would have ruined the whole freaking thing. Yeah, I think that in a way is that the the plot is rock solid. The premise of the film is rock solid mm. and because of that it allows the, the humour and the comedy to just be a nice little flourish on what is actually a story that could be told without the humour. Yeah, so, yeah. So in a way, the, the whole premise of the film works without needing to be funny. And then the fact that they add these little embellishment to it just makes it so much better for it. Yeah, it's just a classic underdog movie. I absolutely love this film's sort of social commentary. And I think it's <laughs> in some ways it's quite subtle and in other ways it, it's not so. It's sort of like a there's a nostalgia to it that doesn't fall into cliche drivel, but it, it the movie is still sort of longing for another time. It sort of it laments soul-sucking jobs and corporate nonsense and <laughs> capitalism and exploitation, shock jock culture on radio, crap newspapers, <laughs> you know, selling out, losing traditions, all of this. It laments all of this sort of stuff that we have now. And it does in lots of little ways, like you know how the other bowls clubs have lost their traditions and they're now wearing like one day cricket inspired. <laughs> I was going to ask you, is that basically like the T20 cricket version of lawn bowls? Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> and they're wearing, the best part is that they're wearing kits that look like the Aussie kits from like 94, 95. Oh. And the, the one that got like the lightning bolts over the shoulders and, and all sorts of stuff. Sweatbands on their wrists. So you've got little examples like that all the way through to like how the movie takes the piss out of the radio guy that's talking about real Australians. Oh my God. You know, I never noticed that until until this watch actually and then I was like oh it happens quite regularly throughout the whole movie yeah because your mind's tuned into this nonsense with our current prime minister <laughs> and I think that this this movie does a really good job of sort of demonstrating that the old ways can be pretty good too like when Jack comes home after his first bowls day and his housemate Dave is mocking him for it but then Jack goes I don't know smoke like a chimney booze is cheap food's free and at the end of the day not much chance of doing a hammy <laughs> I love the bit, though, how Dave then pauses and thinks about this really, really hard. I think he takes a sweet a, a, a drag of his smoke and then looks back at him and goes, that's a tick in every box. <laughs> that's, that's all you need out of your extracurricular activities. <laughs> what else have you got for perfection? Uh, do you reckon that Lawn Bowls is the winner of this film? Yeah, it actually does make it kind of desirable in a way. Well, after this, not long after this, I read, I mean, it was an old article, so I can't say it's fact now, but that the average age of the competitive lawn bowls Australian team that went to the Commonwealth Games was younger than the Aussie cricket side. Joking. Yep. That's good research. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Quite specific. There you go, listeners. You can tell that Danny's really going the yards for all of it. <laughs> but at that time, do you remember in like, late 2000s, we got invited to so many bowls parties. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, barefoot bowls and stuff. Yeah. yeah and you just go and – I mean, you got pretty slaughtered at those things. But. <laughs> but I reckon it's almost like a paid advertisement for lawn bowls. Mick Malloy probably has a lifetime membership to all these clubs now. Mick, if you can uh, get in touch with the pod and let us know, that would be great. We'd like to capitalise <laughs> on that sort of situation for ourselves if we can. Fact check it for us, please. So one of the things that I had uh, for perfection as well is how relatable – 
the whole thing is. So it's like you've got Chapel Street, you've got these bowls clubs, which is a classic Australian setting. Yeah. You've got a Richmond Tigers flag yeah. in his, on his desk at one point. You've got Commodores, a very particular VS <laughs> Statesman. I really like that model for particular. <laughs> and then I think my favourite bit is when he, he goes up to the bar in the bowls club and there's two beers on tap. Do you know oh. what they are? One's two is old. Do you know what the other one is? Is it VB? Two is new. <laughs> I did not notice that at all. I love how relatable and the, and, and the modesty of, of, of all of it is just brilliant. It's so I, good. I absolutely love it. <laughs> what else have you got? I was going to say, I read something about like the, if you imagine if you put this movie in Sydney instead of Melbourne, like when we were watching it, I didn't think about it as being quite Melbourne, but it really is when I look back on it. I mean, yeah, I think it can work in Sydney. I think the whole bowls club thing is a story that translates around the country. Mm. Obviously, those sort of little flourishes like AFL footy and Chapel Street and trams and that sort of stuff that's in this does make it feel like it's set in Melbourne. Yeah. But I don't think the story is incompatible with other places in Australia. Yeah, I just think that Sydney's more of a, a home and away town. You know, it's the beach town. It's not the suburban lawn bowls town. Yeah, but, I, I mean, you. someone from Sydney is probably going to get really angry at me for saying that. Direct you a fume on our Instagram account, <laughs> at Danny and not me, please. <laughs> Okay, my other thing of perfection is I think that the veteran actors, if I'm allowed to call them that, completely make the movie what yes, it is. totally agree. They steal the show totally and they're just so relatable and likeable and they're all quite different but they're not stereotypically, like at least that there is the one guy who just sits there the whole time going, I don't like it, I don't like it. <laughs> That's like his whole line throughout the whole movie. But they're all just really charming and sweet. Yeah, so I, I had a, a point about this, a related point, where I think that this movie does a really, really good job and through the performances of those the mm. particular actors, I think it does a really good job of celebrating older people and their clubs and their traditions. It, it never mocks them. It's never poking fun no. and, and, and really taking the piss out of these people. It's You're actually laughing at them. No, never. I think there's like – and through their performances, there's sort of like a bit of a dignity and nobility in the way that they carry themselves. So Bill Hunter, who plays Stan – he starts by basically boring the pants off Jack, who's played by Mick Malloy, <laughs> you know, particularly with, like, the, the Sir Francis Drake story. Some people say he lost the game. But I like to think he won the game and the battle too. Because the great Sir Francis Drake didn't know the meaning of the word defeat. Think they're giving you the wind-up, Stan. <clears throat> He's all right. <laughs> I, love, I love that. That old monologue's brilliant. But, like, by the end... Jack is seeing the value in standing for something and respecting these traditions. And yeah. I love how it also demonstrates like classic ideas about mateship and like how these these old guys are basically doing the things that they've always done, but they're kind of now doing it in old man ways. So the best example is when they're in the dressing room before one of the the, the bowls uh, events in the tournament and they're sitting around and they're passing around their pills in the dressing <laughs> room. Sobbing a celebrex. <laughs> because, because in like footy in that in the day, yeah. you'd be passing around like deep heat and, and, ah. and all of that stuff to get like warmed up. You'd be passing around the waters and or whatever. Maybe you're passing around the Gatorades, all that kind of stuff. You've got the strapping tape and whatever and, you, <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff is what blokes do in the change room before they go into it. Ah. And then they replicate the same thing, but it's like all the old guys passing around their little pills around the room. <laughs> That's brilliant. I absolutely loved it. I am so glad that we watched this together because you had to explain so many of the sports references to me. Like yeah. I still get it and I still find it funny, but there's so many like specific moments that I was like, I know that that's a sporting reference, but I have no idea what it's actually referring to. Yeah, which actually ties in nicely to one of our uh, later segments, but I'll get on to oh, that. Oh, okay. Too. One of the other things that I had for <laughs> perfection uh, is just the runtime. It's 89 oh, minutes. Perfect. I actually made this point on our last pod when we did Easy A with Emma Stone mm. and made the point that there, there aren't enough really, really good 
90 minute movies. Too yeah. many movies spill into the two hours 20, two hours 30 when they don't need to. This is just in, out, over, done. It's the length of two episodes of a TV series that you might be watching. Mm. Perfect for coming home on a you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night and just throwing something on the TV. The runtime on this is absolutely perfect. Yeah. And when they're getting on the bus to go to that final tournament, I was like, Oh God! Is it nearly over already? Yeah, I actually through. forgotten that it went that quickly because it just it's just laughter after laughter, and there's just good scenes, and they're short, sharp, and they get you through. And yeah, I mean, you could just pick this movie up almost at any point as well, and just keep watching. Yeah, you can dive in really, really easily yeah. from sort of you know if you pick this up at twenty minutes. You could comfortably just dive in and go, yeah, I'm going to stick around for this. Yeah, or even not watch, you know, the last tournament because you know all along, of course, they're going to win. Like that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Do you have anything else for perfection that you want to get into? I just love how evil the bad guy is. So that's John Clark. Yes. Who's the classic guy that's been in, I don't want to get this wrong, is it Home and Away? I don't even know, to be honest. I really don't. So I've never been one for these sort of, you know, nightly TV series I was a Neighbours girl, not a Home and Away girl. I think it's it's Home and Away. Okay. I think. All right. We'll we'll go away and check that. (laughs) I feel like this is almost sacrilege. <laughs> you and I don't know that many Aussie, well, yeah. But we just don't watch a lot of TV series. No, that's true. Yeah. You know, particularly stuff that's on nightly and, and all that sort of thing. We've yeah. just never been one for what watching series like that. Yeah, so. all the blue healers and all that kind of. There's a reason why this is called a movie podcast, people. <laughs> but he's just your classic villain and at no point do you feel any sympathy for him. And so it's a really uncomplicated character that you're just like yeah i can hate him he actually has a giant red button on his desk like dr evil and at one point there's a comment about like what shouldn't you be stroking your white cat yeah (laughs) so you're like oh yeah i meant to hate him and that's fine i don't need to like prepare myself to come around and find out oh he's a human being too because he's just not and they also do a really good job of portraying him as the embodiment of all of the values that have been lost yes they do a really good job of demonstrating that like these old guys that sort of are holding up this bowls club Mm -hmm. they're sort of representative of this idea of australia that is sort of dwindling and that this is the guy where it's being lost to. He's coming in and ruining it all, they do a real- shooting fish in a barrel. Speaking of a particular performance, I think that Judith Lucy's delivery in this is spot on. <laughs> I think it's it's a little dash of brashness in a movie that's all about etiquette. Mm. And I think it's it's like just giving a pinch of salt to something. It's, yeah. it's, it's a really, really nice balance. It's her little, you know, lines that she gives – just give the movie a little bit of punch and what is a, a pretty sedated feel to the rest of it. So yeah. like when she's at the uh, the bowls club for the first time and, you know, they've done he's, he's rolled one down. He's like, oh, I think we need to get the measuring tape out. <laughs> she's like, what for? You dick. <laughs> good delivery. But, but Very there's, good. there's just a way that that is different and, and, and sort of complements the, the subtlety of everything else that's happening. Yeah. And it's if all of the movie was like that or if she was a huge presence in this, it wouldn't work quite so well. But because it, they just get these little sort of dashes of lines here and there, I think it works perfectly. Yeah, she even has a really good interaction with uh, is it Eileen when, I, when they, she bowls a really good bowl and they're like, oh, you should join the ladies sometime. And she's like, no, no offence, Eileen. I love the ladies that don't like the uniform. And yeah. they're like, why not? It makes me look old. Not that there's anything wrong with being old. Yeah. But she's perfectly respectful. But at the same time, they're like, yes, we understand, dear. It's fine. Have you got anything else for perfection before we move on? I do, Go. which leads into imperfection. So if oh, you nice. have anything else. No, no, no. Okay. This is a nice place to nice wrap. Nice place to end it. Yep. So I was very pleasantly surprised, actually, that in 2002, a couple of guys, because Mick Malloy wrote it with his brother. Yep. 
they wrote in the plot line about Judith Lucy and how she ended up reporting on bowls. And like she, so the storyline in the movie is that she lost her job at a more reputable paper because of what happened when she met the owner for the first time. Mm-hmm. So the little bit of dialogue is uh, he introduced himself, leant into my ear and said, always remember, keep him angry, keep him stupid. And Mick Malloy says, what'd you say? Get your hand off my ass, pappy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well played for putting that in there of like, yeah, she stood up to this asshole who runs his paper and thinks he's got all the power in the world. But then I have a bit that leads into imperfection. Okay. So do you want to take a, a quick little break and then we'll get in, into imperfection? Let's do it. Hey guys, just a quick break to ask you one important question. Do you want to decide what movies we cover in future episodes? Well, you can. To do so, head over to Instagram and follow us at Movie for Two Podcast. We asked you just the other day for suggestions, and we had some great ones like Taken, Ace Ventura, Dirty Dancing, Team America, lol, John Wick 3, Deadpool, The Dark Knight, Scarface. We've added all of those to our list, and we'll be hitting those movies with episodes in the coming weeks and months. So head over to at Movie for Two Podcast on Instagram and get involved. And while you're at it, we'd love if you gave us a rating and a review on Apple. It really helps the pod, allows us to keep growing, and bringing you more content. Right, that's all for now. Back to Cracker Jack. Right, we're back. Time for imperfection, where we pick out things from the movie that in one way or another are imperfect. You just uh, basically had a nice segue for this. So do you want to start? <laughs> I do. So just after I was surprised by the writing, uh, literally one minute later in the film, Mick Malloy gets uh, Judith Lucy drunk so that he can sleep with her. Yeah. You and I started writing this note, I think, <laughs> literally the second. So they, they all get pissed in the house yeah. on the homebrew of Stan, yep. who's the captain of the team. And it it's, looks like pretty rancid stuff that what they're drinking. He says that when it goes flat or whatever, it's good for washing your hair. Yeah, gross. And so then she sits back and she goes, oh, if I have another one, I'll be anyone's. And literally the very next thing that happens in the movie is that he tops her drink up. It's, it's like, so bad. It's so like, bad. Uh, yeah, they're it's, definitely writing that out if they're doing this movie now. But yeah. it's just not necessary. To me, it felt like the only thing in the movie where it was like, if you rewrote the thing now, mm. you would take that little five seconds out of it. Mm. Other than that, I really didn't think that there is anything that's sort of like from a, you know, 2020 awareness standpoint yeah. that you would need to take out. No, there isn't. I was, I did put though, because you were talking about the radio jockey earlier, I put that in imperfection because I was like, oh, it's a little bit of political stuff that's maybe not necessary. But thinking about it more after what you said, it's kind of like because it's so subliminal, you only notice it if you've watched this movie like three or four times. I also think that there's a place for this sort of stuff in movies when they're doing it subtly. I think that it's it's totally fine for movies to be holding a point, to be uh, saying something about what they perceive to be values. I think that that's totally fine. And I like the way that it's done in this and I like the way that they poke fun at it in a, in a pretty cheeky way. So I'm keeping it in perfection. <laughs> for my first point of imperfection – it's that uh, – so John Clark, uh, the actor, is obviously – his character in this is Bernie Fowler. He's the bad guy. He does the classic bad guy thing of he just reveals his plan to Mick Malloy. <laughs> it's yeah. like in those stupid Bond movies and that sort of stuff, like the old Bond movies where the evil villain will just tell the guy how he's going to die in this elaborate way. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it's so just good. It's just stupid. Like – what, like, why can't he keep his plan to himself? Like, why can't he just go about his takeover process in a really sort of private way that nearly any other businessman would <laughs> c- 
conduct this, but no, he's got to go and find like the young sort of you know guy at the at the club and just basically outline his whole plan. <laughs> I think he's just hoping that Jack is not credible enough. Like he's the only one that could be swayed by this and turned against a lot of them. But it turns out that he has a lot of heart and that he was sorely mistaken for thinking that he would turn with him. So one of the other things that I had for imperfection was how does Jack actually have a job in the first place? I know. It's like this guy, they go out of their way to make this guy sort of the most lazy, you know, good for nothing kind Mm -hmm. of guy that's just into trying to capitalise on any quick buck that he can. (laughs) But, He's entrepreneurial. But so how does he have that job in the first place? <laughs> I don't know. It is great just to see him get fired, though. It's joyful. What else have you got for imperfection? I uh, talking about the homebrew earlier. Yeah. How, after that night on homebrew, is Stan waking up perfectly fine? Yeah, I know. And he's in his probably he's in his 70s yeah. at this point. Yeah. yeah. And then Jack's like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling really rough. Yeah, pulls up from a hangover <laughs> really well to Stan. Yes. <laughs> It's quite impressive, actually. I can't. I wouldn't be getting off the couch if I had that much homebrew. Yeah, a little bit like me this morning. <laughs> it's a bit too close to home Just right now. Bit, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of the other things that I had was, you know how in sports movies there's always going to be a point where the actual uh, uh, the sport itself looks a little bit awkward because you're trying to sort of demonstrate – you know, sports people that are good at a craft mm-hmm. via actors. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're watching a basketball movie, there are some times where you're like, there's no way that shot's going in. Oh, I believe every single one of them. <laughs> That's not the point of color. <laughs> in this, so bowls is probably the easiest movie in the sports category to get away with, you know, passable techniques. Is that because no one knows what a good technique looks like? Also because rolling a bowl, even though you might not be great from an accuracy standpoint, it's not hard to look like you're capable of doing that. True, true. If you run at the target quickly enough, you will be able to direct the ball in the right direction, So waving your arms around. There are some (laughs) really, really awkward techniques. Some guys with some strange stiff arms, and I'm not sure if that's a deliberate thing. They're sort of trying to demonstrate age or anything like that at some point, like, you know, but there are some guys that it's like, that's not how you roll. That's not how you roll anything. Says the expert at lawn bowls. It's not how you roll anything. (laughs) If I was going to roll a wine bottle towards you on the floor where we currently are, I'm not going to do it with a strange stiff arm and uh, all of this. Have you seen me roll anything or throw anything? I don't want to make comments about your coordination on this podcast. I wasn't picking up on any of this stuff, so I think it's fine. Have you got anything else in imperfection? No, I don't. So I've got two more. Oh, gosh. So it just goes to back to Bernie Fowler, the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Why has this guy basically got private investigators? <laughs> like, I think they're like hitmen, but they're not hitmen. I know. Hitmen. Like, <laughs> yeah, like what businessman has those? <laughs> like, That's because he's Dr. Evil. He really is. And then at the end of the movie when they're at the, the last game trying to win the tournament mm. and uh, Stan rolls the ball and he, uh, he passes away. Basically, at that moment, he has a heart attack. I I think they don't specify exactly how he dies. No. I think he has a heart attack. He dies the way he would have wanted to. Yeah, on the the bowling green. Mm. But Bernie quickly runs over and says that he was unconscious before the ball had stopped moving, so therefore it's (laughs) disqualified. It's like, at what point is that a rule? Like... (laughs) Yeah, are you saying who would have had the time? Who would have thought of that rule in the first place? Who would have ever created that rule? How many times do you think that situation has ever happened on a bowling green? It's just absurd. And if that is a rule, I would really love a bowls association to get in touch. 
I want some replay action too. There's no footage that just says outright that he was unconscious. Everyone just believed him. It just seems like something that's like, come on. <laughs> but that's the thing. The whole thing is so far-fetched. Like the fact that he wins on that flipper just like proves the point even more that this is a predictable story. We're going to win the most outrageous way possible. <laughs> but the unconscious rule. Anyway. <laughs> That takes us to our next segment, which is Lingo Bingo. Woohoo! So one of the great things about this movie, by the way, is that they've got the bingo with the guy with the electronic voice. <laughs> thing. Bingo. Bingo. That's great. <laughs> so Lingo Bingo, obviously we've got to try and hit three things that relate to language in order to get bingo. The first is killer dialogue. The second is lovable jargon. The third is lines and phrases that have entered everyday language. Killer dialogue, I think we definitely get this one. Have you got a favourite? I think my favourite would be, so it's actually after Jack's come hung over to the game and Stan is talking to him about basically insinuating, oh, so you must have slept with Nance last night, you know, insinuation where we're up. You must have really travelled on after I left last night. Yeah, had a couple of quieties. I hope you went on the job. <laughs> and what's it got to do with you? Oh, nothing. Forget it. <laughs> come on, what? Well, most sportsmen across the board perform better when they uh, uh-huh. abstain from sex the night before a big match. <laughs> Jack says, I see. And, of course, that's why all you blokes are such excellent bowlers. Haven't had a decent route since 1943. Ron says, I'll have you know I'm like... <laughs> I can't believe I know his name. The random guy in the background says, I'll have you know I go off like a firecracker in the sack. <laughs> and he's so deadpan. You just have to believe him. It's so good. I had a good chuckle at that one. <laughs> I think my favourite one is uh, when he's being questioned by one of the ladies at the club and she goes, uh, and this is Jack, mm. and uh, and she goes to him, I thought you used the car park because it was across the road from your work. And he goes, nah, I work there because it's across the road from my car park. <laughs> <laughs> Would you do that? It's oh, so good. Such a larrikin. Have you got another one? One that I can't believe hasn't even come up yet, actually. I love a quote. The I think it's on all the you know promo stuff for the film. Uh, Stan saying to Jack when he's like the first game that he appears at. Remember, this is a game of skill, touch, and patience. True revealer of character. All it's revealing right now is two inches of ass crack pink poking out the top of my pants. Hello, ladies. <laughs> Gold. Such a good bit. <laughs> and the other one that I had was uh, when you're getting towards the end. Uh, of the film and they're playing their last their, their last tournament and obviously they're going in and it's at this point it's like if they lose they lose their club and so is it is it uh, is it Ron or is it Len I've forgotten specific- Len's the president yeah he's a great character yeah I really like him and I think it's him that uh, he starts sort of going into this bit of a pep talk and yeah. and, and that oh, that sort of thing and he, he goes so I played my first game of bowls at City Side in 1948 when the great Frank Gray was president my wife gave birth to my first son Damien. Don Bradman led the Invincibles to England. Melbourne and Essendon drew in the grand final. And then they start having their little sort of <laughs> reminiscence about that time. Yeah. And then one of them goes, that was when footy was played on a Satiavo. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to Stan. Pubs used to close at six. Goes back to the other one. Kids entertainment was riding a bike. And then it goes back to Stan. He sort of looks up to the sky and goes, Frankston was a holiday resort. <laughs> They all have a little chuckle. I thought that was awesome. Oh, that's a really good line. <laughs> so we've got plenty of killer dialogue in yeah. this movie. So then we move on to lovable jargon. Plenty of this as well. Yeah. So the the specific one that I had was the numerous references to the flipper. <laughs> 
Yeah, you literally had to explain that to me. Yeah. If you've got some other bits of jargon that you want to highlight. Just the Aussie slang. Yeah. Because it's not it's not over-the-top slang that no one actually uses, which is also really nice. But things like um, shell out the bickies when they're talking about yeah. snap, transport, strike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shell out the bickies. And then when he's bowling badly, it's your bowling pineapples. Is that badly, right? Bowling pineapples? Well, I've... I always referred to pineapples as money? as money. Yeah, but it seems in this case oh, he must be bowling badly because he's like, you're bowling pineapples, Stan. He's like, I'm just getting them out of the way. Yeah, I mean, maybe the pineapples are oddly shaped and therefore bounce funny or... Maybe it's a specific bowling reference. Yeah. Okay, should have looked that up. Uh, and then they say things like hooroo and even just the title being crackerjack. Like that's a, a slang. So we get lovable jargon, Plenty. which gives us two out of three, mm-hmm. which takes us to lines and phrases that have entered everyday language. Do we get anything? I don't... Think anything goes. No. The only thing that I started doing. You just want to say bingo. I really do. I (laughs) really want to play the little clip where the guy goes bingo with the voice record thing, but I'm not going to be able to do it. Mm. Um, The only thing that I thought came close was the ongoing references to the swear jar. And I wondered whether or not that swear jar had become more prominently used since this. I don't think that you can argue that, though. No, I think we'd have to. No, I don't think you can hold that up. So we fail on. Lingo we, bingo we yet, yet again. We've got one out of nine so Even far. Even the bingo references in the movie are actually no, they're not. They're not jargon because he makes them up on the spot. The one where he's like forty-four, two fat whores. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that qualifies as jargon. No, that's what I mean. He just made it up. Yeah, no, that's not a real one. The one's two fat ladies, I think, or two fat something. Anyway, so let's move on to our next segment, which is name that bitch. So this is where we pick it, uh, point at someone who's a little bit obscure in the film, and essentially ask for, uh, ask each other, you know, what has that person been in, and who are they? Mm-hmm. So have you got anyone that you want to throw at me, or do you want me to throw mine at you? You go first. Okay. So I went with the greenskeeper. He's so familiar. So his name is Brett Swain. That's the actor's name? Yeah. He doesn't have a name in the movie. Oh, he's just the groundskeeper. I looked it up. Or the greenskeeper. He's just called the greenskeeper. Okay. So do you know where he's from? Is he from like – he looks like he's in a crime show. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) He's the bodyguard of Martin Sachs in the first season of Underbelly. Oh. Oh, he looks like a bodyguard. He looks like he could have been one of the Morans in that. Sure. No, no, do I they not? Oh, they just all got bald heads. Yeah, so he's one of the he, – he's uh, – I can't remember the guy's name. That I mean, yeah. I did watch that show recently, but, yeah. you know, the names are all a bit hazy. But, yeah, so as soon as I saw him, I was uh. like, oh, oh, what was that thing that I just watched <laughs> recently? That it, Like, he was in it. He's been in a lot of other stuff. He's, yeah. I think his IMDb page is pretty extensive. He's been in a lot of series here in Australia. Yeah. But the, that was the one that stood out for me. That's the thing. There are so many of these guys that are in – or guys and girls that are in the TV shows that we just haven't watched because I was going to throw um, Stan at you, but you've never seen Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I know. We're going to fix that. Yeah. Sorry, people. That's an Aussie <laughs> classic that I've just never got to. Yeah. It, it happens. It happens. <laughs> so, so next segment. Next segment is who could you be mates with? So if you were to take someone out of this movie and plonk them in real life, who could you be mates with and why? I think I have a good one. Go. Gwen. Okay. The one who's always setting up the subcommittees, like when uh, yep. Mick Malloy steals the cheese. Well, it didn't steal the cheese. He puts the cheese in, front, in a sandwich instead of on some crackers. When we were living in share houses, having someone like Gwen would have been freaking fantastic because she would have been like, 
I know exactly who stole your yogurt or your beer that was in the fridge. Or if someone didn't do their chores around the house, she'd be like, right, we're having a family meeting and we're sorting it out. And it might take a week to sort it out, but she would sort that shit out. So I like that you've gone and <laughs> taken that to a pretty extreme place. <laughs> You want subcommittees drawn up to go and have a look into the the indiscriminate use of yogurts. And I think I just want a busybody as a friend. I think that sounds like that. Wow. <laughs> so I went with Len. So, oh, nice. So Len is the he's the one that chairs up all of their events. I think is he the president he's the of the president, club? President, yeah. yeah. Um. So he's the one who you see in the barbershop. Yes. So the reason why I bring this up is that if you brought him into real life. He could be ahead of digital trends. The reason why I say that <laughs> is because is because LeBron James, the famous NBA basketball player, yes, currently has is. a digital series, a digital video series, like an interview chat series, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is called The Shop. It's done in a barbershop. <laughs> so you're saying that- So what I'm saying Len- is, is that Len might be sort of like totally unaware of all these other situations where he's ahead of the trend if you create a show around it. So I was like, what are other concepts might he be sort of unknowingly sitting on that could be commissioned? <laughs> like a social show at the bowls? Like maybe being mates with Len is the key to opening some doors at Channel 7 or Channel 10. He can't get $7,000 of fundraising to save his club. That's the thing. He doesn't know. He's unaware of it. <laughs> but he puts you in these situations and then you go, oh, hang on, maybe a show could come here. So you two as friends with your powers combined – could be a digital force. Oh, wow. I thought you were just going to pick uh, Stan because if he can coach Mick Malloy to roll a flipper, then maybe he could do some really good things for your sporting career. No. Okay. I think my sporting Len career is, is much better. I think my sporting career is beyond saving. <gasps> you would have said the same thing about Mick Malloy. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so final segment is prequel, sequel, or spin-off. If mm-hmm. one of these were to come along or you could create one, mm-hmm. what would you like to see? So – this might be cheating a little bit. I think okay. I say that every week. Uh, so as I said at the top of this podcast, sometimes it's really difficult to kind of transport uh, Aussie shows to elsewhere and have them be understood. Like yep. Kath and Kim going to the US didn't work whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But this movie, because of the plot line being so easy and good to understand, I reckon you could do a spin off of this that's not the same characters but the same kind of storyline and have it in different sporting clubs around the world. Wow. Like – if you had it at a curling club in Canada and had the same kind of theme, I'd watch a movie about that. You're almost talking about a franchise. Yes, I think I am. <gasps> Prequel, sequel, spin-off or franchise. Maybe we need to add something to that. Yeah. So I actually went in a similar direction with this and that's why I said wow because I didn't want to see a prequel, a sequel or a spin-off. I didn't want to see any of those things specifically. But what I'd love to see is the same crew work on another script and another movie that sort of keeps the essence and the points of focus with this. Mm. So, you know, something like an Aussie comedy that Stan, the streaming service could pick, not Stan, the character, Stan, the streaming (laughs) service could pick up. And it uses sort of the same brand of comedy and focuses on another sort of relatable story. And so I was thinking like a struggling cricket club. And then you can incorporate the guys from the Grey Cricketer, shout out to Sam who (laughs) friends with, as consultants for it. (laughs) Yes. And I could be part of sort of putting this whole thing together. <laughs> there is an ulterior motive here. <laughs> I thought that was a good pitch. <laughs> I'm on curling club. I think I win that. Yeah. So that's, but that's yeah. what I mean. I think we're getting at the same point mm. in a way that it's sort of like you'd like to see that same sort of story trans 
sort of transplanted into other places and other clubs and other settings. Yeah. And I think that if you maintain the similar essence of movie, I think that becomes something that you definitely can, can watch over and over again. Yeah. This is definitely this is an idea with a lot of legs. I think we could spend hours brainstorming all the different ways that we could make this franchise work. I'll get in touch with the various people that I just mentioned then and see where we get to. Excellent. Maybe this podcast won't last that long. <laughs> Danny, that's all we have time for. Thank you. This has been so much fun. (laughs) We're going to be putting up some episodes with some increasing regularity over the next few weeks, so we have plenty coming your way. Until then, check us out on Instagram at movie2podcast and follow us while you're there. And if you've enjoyed the pod so far, leave us a rating and a review on Apple. That's all for now. You've been listening to the Movie for Two podcast. Until next time. Bye.